I'm thoroughly trying to decide whether it's worth spending an extra $800 to come home a day early from India. Why wouldn't it be? Oh, yeah. That's that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't have anything to do on that day, so. Why would you spend an extra day there? Uh, yeah, exactly. So, Which city? Bangalore. Is it the at the end of your trip? Honestly, hire a driver and go to Mysore for the day. Mysore. M-Y-S-O-R-E. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's about a two and a half hour drive. There's some, It's a cool pilgrimage site that's some, and like, there's a version of it you can do that is entirely, like, get the driver, get the guide, whatever. Someone in the office there will help you out. Mm-hmm. We, our hotel arranged it for us. Um, other than the fact that the night before, or the day before, I had looked my fingers and started getting, uh, oh, sick. Giardia. Uh, but that one I killed with antibiotics that year. Uh, it was an incredible thing to visit. If someone else is paying for you to be there anyways, I'd say take the day trip. Yeah, I think the thing is just getting home to help Jessica, so. Well, we won't tell her about it. <laughs> She'll find out. <laughs> we know she doesn't listen to the show. I was going to say, I put this in the teaser, but she's not going to listen to it, so that wouldn't help. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 410 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined by Seth Miller and Foz Mahmood. Gentlemen. Good evening. Yeah, it is evening. Good afternoon. And I guess uh, we didn't do it early enough that it still is afternoon for Stephen, too. <laughs> it is afternoon here. Yeah, I'm saying if we'd done it there earlier, before Foz had dinner, he could have said evening, I could have been afternoon, and you would have been morning. Oh, that's true. That's true. Anyway. Yeah. Foz is in London enjoying rain, I'm guessing, Foz. No, that's tomorrow. Today was the transit strikes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I think we had some follow-up from the last show. So I I mentioned, uh, or we mentioned United, you could earn PQPs on reward flights. Um, I got the number wrong. So uh, Rob corrected us. It's actually one PQP per 100 miles redeemed. So a little bit better. Of a, so of a rate? Four flights and 1.2 million miles redeemed, and you get platinum status? Yeah. Am I getting that right? I think so. I mean, okay. it would be nice if it, if they counted as lifetime flight miles, too, like the million-miler flights, because that would be an easy way. <laughs> right, Foz? Yes. Well, maybe. Maybe not. Like, finding a word space is always a challenge, too. But if your goal is to spend a ton, <laughs> sorry, it would be fifty. It would be one point five million if you're doing a PQP only. Otherwise, you need thirty six segments. Okay. Although, depending on how you redeem, they also count for your segment credits. So, correct. So, if you do a bunch of uh, domestic yeah. segment rewards, yeah. you can do some. Um, not yeah, smart. not the greatest way to earn status outright, but you know, it's an option. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I know I'm really close to this trip to India, uh, and I'm con- contemplating coming home a day early just because I want to get home. Um, and the option is to fly Singapore Airlines all the way through, except the last segment from San Francisco to Portland. Uh, I Is the Singapore product good, like, long haul? It's consistent. Okay. Is it good? That's the real question. <laughs> what are you comparing it to? United. It's better than business cars. Yeah, business class. I I would say it's better. Yeah. They have that weird seat, right, where you have to, like, fold it forward. I, I don't think they have that anymore in the A350s. I think they do. Do they still? Yeah. 
So, I know some places, some uh, planes got an upgrade, but I don't know about that one. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't think it did because I I was looking at some trip reports and they all had the folding seat. So, then after your rant last week that uh, business class sucks for everything, I'm not sure there's a good answer. I just I, I think it's just like a disappointment in United. I mean, I was actually looking at flying Delta and KLM back. Um, yeah, KLM to Amsterdam and then Amsterdam to Portland on the Delta nonstop because it's actually the fastest way to get home. Um, but it, the KLM offers the old United uh, business class seat on the plane that they use from Bangalore to Amsterdam. Yeah, and then KL or uh, and then Delta uses the old seat on the A330 to Portland, and it's just kind of like. It's great that all these routes are getting the new products, but then you get stuck on the route that doesn't have the new product. Did you get for living in Portland? FOMO, I guess. How, yeah. how, how much faster is the trip? Uh, it cuts about three and a half hours off. Yeah, I mean, I right my my problem with all this is like I sleep well in that dive-in seat. Mm-hmm. Right, I, I don't mind climbing over someone to get out of the window seat and get to the aisle. I, it's annoying. I'm tall enough that I can usually do it without waking them up. Yeah. Um. I mean, shit, I've done that on an economy class, stepped over someone who was asleep. I had a empty middle seat uh, in a three set and contorted myself out and over the person in the aisle seat who was asleep, much to yeah, the amusement I... of my uh, someone a couple rows back that watched and applauded me. But um... to be fair, to be fair, it's not a bad seat. I will. I'm yeah. Open. Right. So. So what is the goal? Is the goal to get home at the right time? Is the goal to fly the newest seat out there or is it to take a different line i mean at the end of the day i've somewhat resigned myself to like if i can sleep it's at good times and i'm gonna get there i mean one connection's better than two true um and i have to connect in san francisco which i have a long enough layover where it's kind of i'm not too worried about it not too bad, yeah. um but i i think it's not really about the lines or anything like i was thinking about do i care about status because i could credit the uh Singapore flight to alaska um and then I'm not going to do anything with the Delta Kale. I'll just credit it to Delta. Like, I don't really care. Yeah. So anyway, it's a, it's a conundrum. It's what I think about all day, every day. So weren't you saying that this could mean 1K for you or not? Well, the outbound I'm going to keep no matter what. And that will be one. That's 1K for me. So. so do you really want to stick miles into Delta and Orphan then? Or put them in Alaska where you might use them? That's true. Good point. Touche. Like Delta, I will Orphan them because I have no... I don't, although I have thought about switching to Delta because and they don't expire and you can transfer Amex in if you need to top off. True. And I, every I, now and then there's a decent award there. And I have considered flying Delta more because their schedule out of Portland is better than United and American. So I don't know. It's tough. Tough call. The uh, 420 departure out of Bangalore isn't super thrilling, but. <laughs> But don't all the flights leave at some weird hour? Uh, Singapore leaves at 11. Yeah, because it's a shorter hop, so you can connect in Singapore at like, yeah, it's like, like 6 a.m. or something like that. Yeah, I think I land at 6 a.m. And then, yeah, so uh, it's like a weird four-hour pseudo-red eye. Yeah, so I'd probably bummer. sleep. I was just going to say, it's a bummer you can't get to Seattle. Line. Uh, yeah, that that's... I was telling Foz this, that the... So they will... Singapore will not sell me uh, Bangalore to Seattle as a one way, but if you book a round trip and that's your return on the same date, it'll book it. Interesting. Yeah, it's very weird. They're very they're a very strange bird when it comes to being an airline. Well, I mean, 
part of me wonders if they have a one-way fare filed, um, which we could probably look up. And then part of me wonders if they're doing some interesting married segment stuff to keep it open for some reason for other types of traffic. Yeah. Yeah. They do some, they do some weird things just in general. Like they've, they've closed off the late or the 11 PM departure already. And that's now a one twenty AM that the, the second flight is the only one that offers a connection. But if you book, book a multi-segment, it'll, it'll book the eleven twenty for you. So it's, it's weird. Yeah, so they're doing something with something funky with their inventory and married segment logic there. Yeah. All right, let's talk about topics. Uh, crash in Lima. This was crazy. Like, crazy to watch because there's video of it. There's a lot of video of it. Yes. And then crazy to know that no one died. Well, no one on the plane. No one on the plane. I didn't I didn't realize. Did someone pass away on the ground? Uh, yeah, so the, the uh, story is a fire truck doing drills apparently uh dispatch from the fire station on which is on the far side of the runway and was apparently practicing for the new runway they're getting opening soon or Mm -hmm. building or something like that um and entered the active runway while a latam a320 neo was taking off Mm -hmm. and i guess didn't see the plane coming as they veered onto the runway and yeah they were moving quick uh from what we could see in the videos and basically got caught the engine of the plane took out the train uh the truck um big fireball uh two of the firefighters are uh died as a result one is i think in still in critical condition or something like that there was one who was still injured there were three in the truck at the time i believe but oh wow i didn't realize that yeah and so now the question is obviously you know, did they get cleared to enter? Did they forget to ask, etc.? Uh, but it's uh, yeah, not 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 good. It also took, if I'm doing the math right, I think eighteen no, like thirty six hours to get the runway reopened. Wow, um, it was like it happened late Friday. I think they didn't reopen the runway until some point on Sunday, and p- thus the reason posted by the airport operator was complications cleaning up the fuel spill after they got the plane out of there but it is expected to be the first hull loss accident for a 320 neo family plane and like you know like you said it's great news that no one on the plane died um even in total if only two out of 180 ish people die given you know if the truck had been a couple seconds earlier it probably would have caught the center of the fuselage or the nose of the plane. And cut it in half, yeah. Yeah, and would have been much more likely to have caused an incident with, like, the center fuel tanks rather than a wing tank. Yeah. Um, So instead of just dragging fire out the wing, you know, potentially the plane would have had a much more significant uh, fire that would have killed people. Uh, I also don't know, but just thought there was a second truck trailing the first one. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was few like filled with the foam and whatever, but if they were already out and there's a um like a commander, yeah, you know, commander vehicle yeah. vehicle also, I wonder if that helped speed the response time. They were sixty seconds faster out because they were there instead of having to you know suit up and go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> People seem to do a good job of getting off the plane too, which yeah is a good thing. So. Were they smart enough not to bring their luggage? For the most part, in the video, it looks... The, uh, yeah. I commend them. 
I mean, can you imagine being the pilot? Like all of a sudden you've just got, you're just out of control. Like it's one of these situations where, you know, you probably don't even know what's happening. You're just trying to keep the plane on the runway and slow it down. So kudos to them. Kudos to them. Um, 70 new million milers a day at Delta. This can't be for real. Skift had their aviation conference last week, I think in Dallas. And this was a statistic that was brought up on the panel discussion or not panel interview with a Delta executive uh, and was tweeted by like five different people who were all there. So all of them think that number is accurate, but that's something like 20,000 a year, 25,000 a year. I think Yeah, it seems like a huge number of people hitting a million. And even if some of them are moving between tiers, not just qualifying for the first time, it does seem like a huge number to me. Mm. Yeah, that's a lot. A day, I mean, maybe a month? That, that's, they're saying a day. Chief Customer Experience Officer Allison Osband said a day. But I, that seems unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're based in JFK or Atlanta, or, I mean, even Salt Lake City or Minneapolis, I could see that. If that's your it's your primary character your primary carrier yeah that's just I, from JFK I wouldn't say that there's not I mean what's the longest flight they do Tel Aviv yeah Tel Aviv or Johannesburg uh, no they don't do Johannesburg anymore do they not from J they've never done that from JFK uh, so maybe Lynn Johannesburg I, I mean yeah if you do 170 million passengers a year. Some number of those are flying very, very frequently. Most are not flying that, right? You get the sort of eight, the 50-50 rule. 50% of people fly once. The other 50% fly multiple times. And then some of them, some small number fly, you know, up to top tier status and whatever. But I just, yeah, it's hard for me to, you know. So in that context, 25,000 out of 170 million seems completely reasonable. Yeah. But. Um, still a wild number. But, I mean, you think about it. Right, seventy a day. It's this wouldn't really be your road warriors. Like these will be like your silvers and golds. You're not going to get that many year over year, right? They're going to stretch it out. They're earning across much longer window than someone like a a diamond. Even a diamond, you're going to get it in what six years if you do. If you just seventy years, if you do meet the minimum, yeah. So. Yeah, the math on like trying to figure out how many are at each tier and how many you know. Miles, any one person is fine, right? They have 170 million passengers a year, and I think they're up close to 100 million members in the program. So, right? I mean, they're record number signups each quarter because of the credit card. But there's some... I don't know. It, it seems high to me. It seems crazy. But I don't think this person would... Make it up? Make it up. Yeah, well, it doesn't make sense. No, but I, they have, could they have misspoken or have bad data? I'm not saying they're making it up. I'm yeah. They're misstated like days instead of months per, yeah. per month, right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I do, I do love the first reply to the tweet that quoted this from Leslie Joseph. The first reply is, um, no wonder there's such long lines at this guy clubs. <laughs> <laughs> at least they're blaming it on something other than the credit cards. Well, I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. With uh, newly minted silvers. <laughs> don't get lounge access, of course. That's beside the point. Speaking of which, let's let's talk about that. Uh, Alaska's kind of changed their. Did we talk about this already? Their new lounges. 
the new the, well, the lounge access policy? We did not talk about that. They also just opened the new lounge in Seattle in the center, right? And they're doing a new one in Portland too. Yeah, the one in Portland. I'm not sure when that's going to be done. It's got like a um, deck. Does it have a deck or just like a patio area that's enclosed? I think it's going to be a patio area that's enclosed. I, it's hard to tell from the photos and like yeah. what they're what they're saying, but the one in Seattle looks nice. Um, but yeah, they've they've started. They've said anything starting next year. Uh, they are not going to allow uh, lounge access for first class customers, which is historically every first class customer has received lounge access. Uh, paid first class or redeemed uh, a reward first class passengers. So if you get upgraded, you don't have access. Right. Yeah. So, uh, the one caveat was for tickets booked before November 18th. Yes. So yes, for the tickets booked before November 18th, you still get access. Um, but tickets booked after that, you no longer get access unless your flight is over 2,100 miles. So Transcons or Hawaii. Transcons Hawaii. We Foz and I were kind of like looking at the map, and it looks like they kind of drew the line at what? What would we say, Foz, Ohio, Ohio, just like the between Ohio, the Ohio Pennsylvania border. So Pittsburgh is valid, Columbus is not. Yeah, yeah, that's better than I would have thought. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. I think it, it, it's it kind of sucks from a frequent flyer perspective, right? Like buying an F ticket uh, to Las Vegas and not getting you know to have a cocktail before you go. That sucks. But then again, Foz and I were talking. When was the last time either of us used an Alaska uh, lounge? Um, I can't remember the last time I was in Alaska lounge. So, I mean, the real question that I have. 2100 lounge, you said, right? 2100, yeah. The question that I have is what's between 2000 and 2100 miles that they wanted to exclude? Yeah. Wait a second. Thanks to Sirium, I have a ton of data. And Seattle, uh, Cleveland, Columbus, Cancun. New Orleans, Puerto Vallarta, and then from S- San Diego, Cancun. Wow. Okay. So that's that's interesting. And the Cancun, just, I mean, this is for this month. There's only two flights this month on San Diego, Cancun. I, I'm looking at November. Those are the five routes I see, six routes I see that are in the uh, 20, 2,000 to 2,100 mile range. What about from Anchorage? Vernon. Hawaii? It's Chicago. over 2,100. Chicago? Over 2,100. Wow. Okay. okay. Anchorage, Honolulu, um, this doesn't give me distances, but Anchorage, Honolulu, Anchorage, Las Vegas, Anchorage, Los Angeles, O'Hare, and Phoenix are all over 2,100. Um, Salt Lake City? To what? Um, Anchorage to Salt Lake City. Uh, it's not flying in this in the month of November, so it's not listed. Gotcha. That's but a new given that Las Vegas, it'll uh, be close. Yeah, I'm, I, I can only look at, I could, probably could look up more than a month at a time. I could look a quarter at a time. Uh uh, 2125 so they get access yeah anchorage salt lake gets it uh atlanta to portland gets it yeah there's there's a lot of routes that still get access but obviously not all of them yeah we were just trying to figure out what's the what's the routes that are in between that they're trying to cut i mean cancun kind of makes sense i think it it, but at the same time it doesn't because they don't they want to give those customers yeah i i'd say cancun makes less sense than i wonder if they did it to keep hawaii in Mm. Right, like what's between twenty one hundred and twenty two hundred? Um, I think everything in Hawaii for more than twenty one hundred. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you don't cut that many at twenty two hundred either. Um, obviously, they, someone did the math on how many people fly and whatever. Um, Cancun loses another one. Los Angeles, Belize, Cancun, Tampa would have been cut at twenty two hundred. Huh. Um, so yeah, but all the all the Hawaii stuff stays no matter what. So that. 
clearly there was math somewhere that you're right. It's, you know, it's a roundish number, but it could have gone to 2000 or 2500, I guess. But I mean, it could have, it could have been something too, Foz, where they're like, they're looking at their regional. I mean, again, they're such a West Coast centric carrier. They could have been looking at the fact that, okay, we've got all these people on the West Coast um, that are, com- you know, commuting to San Francisco. Why do they need lounge access from Portland on a first class ticket? And they, yeah, but they just, you know. No, and, that, and that's fine, but the, so I was just, I, look, I, I think the, they have a problem with the lounge. Lounges are just too full. Like, yeah. And this is, they've had the struggle for a while, so this is one way to trim it. But, I, you know, I keep coming back to who are they trying to keep out? Other Like that 2000 to 2100 is the surprising one to me, right? Like flights like Columbus or Cleveland or even Cincinnati, right? They're once a day, so you're not talking about a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. And... Most likely the people in front of our business travelers are going to be more upset about that than leisure, but these days yeah. it's hard to know. I mean, those routes exist for the business traffic, typically. Um, you do cut out all the San Jose flights with this number. There's not a lot of them, but there's a collection of San Jose flights that could have had yeah. access at one point before. Um, it's interesting, too. Like Alaska's a, a priority pass partner. Do you think that that's like bringing are, in money for them? Are they, though? It, yeah, still, it's, they're still listed. And they had to, they were frequently posting lounges full. Sorry, we're not letting you in. It was pissing off priority pass members. I wonder if this, and yes, I'm sure it brings in money. They get paid every time you swipe in. Yeah, so I'm wondering if they're like, well, we can take the revenue from that and we'd rather let those customers in than the short segment so first class hires. They have drastically reduced the number of lounges that participate in priority pass. So I know none of the Seattle ones do. Yeah. Um, I priority pass. I still don't understand how that company makes money. No, well, right. No, the Seattle ones don't, but you can get barbecue. Yeah, and bambooza or whatever, and people, you know, get their twenty eight dollars and leave. So yeah, it's 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 crazy to me. But anyway, um, let's go, let's move on. <laughs> Did I tell you guys when I was in Seattle last time? I didn't realize it was a priority pass off when I ordered the food, and I actually paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I was expensing it anyway, so it like. I didn't pay for it, but it did not tell us this. the guy guy coming up after me. There's a couple that had like their flight canceled or something. He's like, "Oh, what?" And they were like trying to figure out if they could buy lunch. And he's like, "I'll buy you lunch." And they looked in like, "It's like it's just my lounge access. It's free to me. Don't worry about it." And he actually like scanned one of their boarding passes as an extra passenger as his free guest, and and, and bought him lunch, and you know got them their twenty eight dollars worth of barbecue, and then walked up, wandered off to his own flight. I was impressed by that. Yeah, that's nice. That's, but that's what I discovered that it was a priority pass lounge after I had ordered. Oops. <laughs> um, speaking of Cincinnati, since we mentioned them in this one of the ones that's one of the routes that's cut, they get some new service though. Yeah, British Airways. It's kind of surprising. Don't I don't see Cincinnati as the London destination, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, I think there's a couple things at play. It's not every day. It's summer seasonal, and there is like uh, many things, a ton of onward destinations from like many of the U.S. destinations that don't fill up on people just mm-hmm. going to London. It's a lot of onward traffic. Yeah, right. I mean, it's Delta was able to make transatlantic work from there for many years, many years ago, admittedly, but made it work. So they had, a, but that was back when they had a hub there, and there was a lot of connecting flow. Right. So. Look at it the other way. You've got a hub in London with a lot of connecting flow. And you only need to fill up 180 seats. How many seats yep. are there on a BA 788? 
But the difference is, in this case, you're ending in Cincinnati, where yeah. the Delta, you were just passing through. Yeah. Uh, 214 seats. It's not that many to fill four days a week, I think it is. So, I don't is is Delta still doing uh, Paris or uh, is it Amsterdam out of Cincinnati? Cincinnati? I thought they were doing one of those. Let me look. Yeah, because they route a plane from it, like, like a route of seven six seven from yeah. Atlanta up to uh, Cincinnati in the afternoon to do it. If I remember correctly, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Do that. Let's see. But yeah, it's there. There are some interesting ones like that. Um, I'm looking. Sorry. Yeah, uh, they they do have that, and they I mean they did that forever. Um, but yeah, it looks like they might do Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do it. Uh, looks like once every couple of days, maybe. So there's still some demand. Um, yeah, I mean it does serve an, a spot in the U.S. market, the map, like on the map, right? Where you're serving Kentucky, you're serving Ohio, you're serving. Southeast Indiana. I mean, there's a, there's a decent yeah. population there. So, you know, it's, it's they can pull you know 700 passengers a week in the summer. That yeah. doesn't seem that impossible to me. Yeah, it's it is interesting that they can it, this traffic between Cincinnati, Indianapolis, and Louisville kind of gets it's split based on whichever flight is more convenient for you, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Delta's all uh, not Delta. Sorry, British Airways is also boosting Pittsburgh up to I want to say six times a week from four next summer, uh-huh. um, uh-huh. and that was year round now. So, hmm. but they cut Charleston. Really, I don't see it in the schedule anymore. Yeah, I don't think it came back after the pandemic. That's. I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense. I, I, maybe there just wasn't enough traffic. It was only uh, twice a week anyways before, and I think yeah. it was a mix of cargo and passenger. Yeah. Cargo feeding Boeing's operations there, but among other things. But um, I'm surprised mostly because of, like, summer traffic coming from London. Yeah. You know, going to the beach and then people that can, you know, drive down to Savannah, Jacksonville, et cetera. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like those people are mostly going to straight to Florida. Yeah, yeah. And Which is a shame because Charleston and Savannah are are cool, but yeah, I love Charleston. Um, not a huge fan of Myrtle Beach, but Charleston's nice. <laughs> Spent a little too much time in yeah, a little Pooter's Air Hub action. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then JetBlue is offering some new service to Paris. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Is this only JFK? Well, no. Um, the press release is phrased very interestingly. Uh, they expect to operate JFK service starting next summer, uh, and then service from Boston will follow. <laughs> I like that vagueness. That's- they, they were super vague. And someone had a report of uh, slots from Charles de Gaulle and suggested that they did get slots for a Boston flight next summer, but they haven't announced when it's actually going to start. They got to get the planes delivered. A big mm. part of JetBlue, right? JetBlue's doesn't have enough planes, actually LRs, to run its London service right now. Yeah, so they're running Neos with bad food and coach. Um, so they don't have ovens. Well, they don't have ovens, so you get cold yeah. meals instead of hot meals. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there, there's a lot of challenges there. But assuming they get the planes, presumably they could add the Boston to Paris as well. 
Where do you, where do you think? I mean, kind of a general question. Um, I saw someone talking about how the future of transatlantic is back to single aisle uh, flights. Um, and and one, I think that's it's possible. You can't do it really from the west coast unless you're going to Iceland. But from the east coast, yeah, I could see that. Right, it's cheaper to operate these A321 uh, Neos and LRs, right? Yes. Right, it's cheaper on a trip cost basis per seat. Maybe, maybe not. Depends on how. Right, a, a 787 flying in the legacy Norwegian slash currently North Atlantic configuration mm-hmm. on a per seat basis, probably about as cheap as you know, or cheaper than a 321 in JetBlue configuration. Certainly, with only 100 yeah. and 40 seats on board, 14, 114 seats or 138. It's like 114 and 24. Yeah. Um, so. It depends on how many seats you put on board. Obviously, range is impacted by that, especially on the single aisles. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that much like what we saw, we'll say, in the early aughts, you know, 20-ish years ago now, 15 to 20 years ago, where you had Continental running a crap ton of 757s on narrower markets and then using their wide bodies where they had partner hubs. Yeah, There's no reason not to do that, especially if you're a small player and don't want to get into operating twin aisle planes like a jet blue yeah um or a startup with a base in iceland or the united kingdom or even in the mainland continent but you know there, there's it's going to be more point-to-point service not connections i think is what we'll see then mm. there's arguments that that will work or not i mean like you look at jet blue out of jfk on a 138 seat plane even if they run two daily which i think they had the slots for again from what i saw online um they would be up against seven from air france two from delta one from american united's got one across the one or two in the summer i think they do two um air france does a newark in the summer la compagnie does newark in the year-round all business class and french b is doing uh a twin aisle like 400 seat a 330 to newark so there's a crap ton of capacity um in some ways i feel like this is the you know there's unlimited supply of people willing to go between new york and florida is there similarly unlimited supply of people willing to go between new york and paris and new york and london and they can Mm. just like you can if you price it right you can even actually make a little bit of money doing it but you know it's they're going up against literally six or seven flights from Air France, any one of which, you know, the back half of the plane is bigger than all Jet Blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's a it's a an argument that I was kind of like I'm not completely convinced. Um, I think it I think it all depends on how it plays out in the yeah. next you know with fuel and with how and these I, airlines position themselves. Yeah, and honestly though, the twin like a seven eight seven is very fuel efficient if you put people in it. Um, quad engine and, and aircraft are not. There's a reason those went away. The yeah. older twin aisles, there's a reason those are going away. But I, I don't think it's going to be all single aisle or all twin aisle. I think we'll continue to see the blend. And if you've got a hub that you can work with, you can fill planes much more easily than uh, not. But like, you know, is British Airways going to run single aisles across the Atlantic? No. Yeah. Uh, but they don't, they're happy to let. Airling IAG, the parent company, is happy to let Aer Lingus do that out of Dublin, mm-hmm. even with connections. So, because um, it's a smaller connecting flow through Dublin than through London. Yeah. 
I mean, I, you know, one of the things that drives London and Paris to a lesser extent yields is really the corporate contract. So the question I'd have is, what kind of corporate agreements does Jeff Blue have? Do Not a ton. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they, they actually have a decent number. Um, but uh, this you know, the route is apparently um, one of the very much uh, in-demand routes. Uh, it's, we'll say it's the busiest international route that they don't currently serve based on just city pair demand. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. Um, what else we got frontier All you can fly pass go wild. Are you, uh, are you taking them up on this? I am not. I'm Uh, very surprised. I mean, I still could, they're still selling it. They don't fly enough places. I mean, I have to go down to Boston to go anywhere, which yeah. I mean, fine, but I, you know, and it's, there's, there's a few things about it. So it's a year of unlimited, what they're calling unlimited flying. Um, it started as only a domestic benefit. Uh, the day after they launched, they decided to open up to international also. Um, and the domestic version of it, you only can get seats. You don't get last seat availability. They're not publishing what the criteria is, and <laughs> you only get to book a day before travel. Oh, so it's basically I mean, like flying standby. Yeah, not quite standby. Like you, where you you know before you leave if you're confirmed one direction. Uh, not necessarily that you're you know I'm gonna make you know, it back. Do a four day trip to Chicago or whatever you know wherever I'm going, Denver. So I fly Boston to Denver. And then I got to like wait until the day before I want to go back and hope that there's still seats available. So that's, that's not great. That's rough. <laughs> um, not great. And again, if they told you what it was and you could like, you know, and I could sort of try to estimate some of those things that would help a little. Mm. Um, the other one is uh, that. So then I say it was originally just domestic only they, when they added international, they actually let you book international travel 10 days out now. As part of the new one. Okay. And so that's actually reasonable. There's also a lot of, there's like a bunch of blackout dates. It's not onerous, but it's like what you'd expect around all the holidays and spring break weekends. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. but weekdays during spring break, you can fly if, you know, you have a flexible schedule. Like, there's some ways in which it could work for me, but the day of only uh, for domestic makes it really hard to be compelling. And the international, their international markets aren't, they don't have a ton. They've got, a decent bit. And if I live down in um, Florida, maybe, right? Like they they have a lot of flights out of Orlando or a lot of destinations. So do they do they allow connecting? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you're allowed to connect, but do you do you have the same restrictions on the connection? So it's day before, and then yeah, you-, you can book it as a uh, you can book a internet uh, connecting flight as well, but. Um, it's or stuck with the one day thing. So like, I mean, pick a city, but like there's a Boston to Cancun. They run that seasonal. I guess I can do that with a nonstop. Otherwise though, you know, Atlanta sort of has daily service to Cancun every other day to Montego Bay, BWI to Cancun every other day. Cle- Cancun has a, is a big destination. You could, if you mm-hmm. liked hanging out in Cancun and wanted to commute back and forth, you could do that more than daily Cancun to Denver. In fact, <laughs> um, and maybe, you know, get down to Cancun and like, I'm going to come home via Miami today and like sort it out and then hope you can connect onwards. I don't know. 
but yeah, uh, Orlando also has like a bunch of other destinations that you could potentially have some fun with. So you you monitor kind of Twitter and the Twitterverse and generally social social media. Yeah, what was the what was the reaction to this Frontier Pass? Um, mixed from what I could tell. I think the standby only, effectively one day out only, uh, mm-hmm. turned a lot of people off. Ed, yeah. our friend Ed, pizza bought one. He said, um, and he has an interesting take on it. They have a couple routes that work for him, and he said with the because there's no change fees on other airlines now, mm-hmm. he can basically buy a ticket that he will fly, and day of, if the Frontier seat is open, yep. switch, you know, book that as part of, to offset his $600, right? I guess it's all you can fly pass, yep. and just change the other one to be like the next week's, or two weeks, you know, and so eventually, like, you, you're storing extra money with the airlines, but it's not a terrible way to do it. He's got enough other things that he'll use that he'll eventually use that money too. I thought that was at least a rational approach to it. But um the other thing about the international is most international places you have to have proof of onward travel to be admitted as a visitor. Yeah. So it made sense for them, I think, to uh have the 10 day advance. Yeah. So you could like you still sort of have to decide last minute where you're going if you want to spend more than a couple of days there. But and it, and also, a lot of the routes are not daily. Like, yeah, that makes Austin it tough. Cancun. They only fly 129 days over the next 365. So, right, like, and it's not—I don't know what months it is, but it's going to be. Um, it's yeah, you can do a little bit in December. Um, uh, this is last year's, uh, but it's not even flying right now. That was <laughs> old. I'm looking at the past 12 months, not the next 12 months. It's yeah. from what I can get from Syrian. So, anyway. Like, it, who knows what'll actually fly and like what the options are. But if you've got, if you're on a route that only flies every five days or three times a week or something like that, and you want to spend a week somewhere, like you sort of got to figure out a couple days out, can I get the outbound and also the return? And again, not knowing how they're limiting capacity, it's really hard to commit to that. Yeah. The other thing about it is it's auto renew <laughs> and it auto renews at the quote unquote retail price, which is, two thousand dollars a year it's like it's like uh, the apple store but in real life like it's like the app store but in real life i guess <laughs> um but the initial launch price was only six hundred dollars a year and now that expired and we're up to 800 so but only a limited number are available yeah well and that process expires on a tuesday at midnight or eleven fifty nine p.m mountain time so you know. i can i can feel Foz booking his right now you know me so well <laughs> The, the the only other thing I say about it, like you don't earn elite status, which obviously their elite status is revenue based, so I wouldn't think you would. Yeah, but they are honoring benefits. So if you have even the lowest tier status, you get to pick a seat in advance and you get your free carry on. I think. Oh, that's nice. So if you get the credit card and spend twenty thousand dollars on it, you get your twenty thousand points, and that gets you your silver status. And then it's not a like, if you don't have to pay all the ancillaries all the time also, maybe not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. But the other thing is it doesn't start until May of next year. Why the middle of the year? And why wait five months? Yeah. And why, like, as travel is picking up? Yeah, that's weird. Um, so some interesting news in the in the flight credit world. Qantas has over a billion dollars in flight credits outstanding. 1.3. That that's not a story. Yeah, but 
over a billion has already been redeemed. Yeah. This just shows you just how much money was tied up. I mean, the story we're talking about is also like less about Qantas and more about Virgin Australia because you know the the protagonist of our story here is a family that had tickets on Virgin Australia to Paris, and Virgin Australia doesn't buy long haul anymore. They're like, so you took twenty three hundred dollars of ours, and you're giving us this pseudo credit thing, but we can't use it to go where we wanted to go. What the hell? Well, you can go to Perth. Enjoy. <laughs> Lovely this time of year. The Paris of Australia. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it does have a river down the middle of it. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I mean, it's kind of crappy, right? Like this idea that, that it, should they be able to keep your money when there's no way they can deliver you to, to your destination? Unless they fly you via the United States. No, they, they're not allowing it on partners. It's home metal only. So then I think they should get a full refund in the story. <laughs> and I think they should have gotten that refund initially, but the airline said no because we'll go out of business. Which a little bit which of they did, any, which they did anyway. The case <laughs> of Virgin Australia that declare bankruptcy and reorganize anyway. So, yeah, exactly. uh, which to be fair, like there's a little bit of be glad we're still honoring your credit coming from the airline side of things. Are they obligated to? Yeah, because they they right? could have they could have just wrote it off. Yeah, you that would very much be unsecured debt, even even if they, yeah. You're, as a passenger, you're unsecured debt. So yeah. that's wow. usually the first to get erased. So. I still think the number, though, one billion left. I would love to know, like, what the U.S. carrier numbers are. Like, what are they? What are they looking yeah. like? There is still a decent amount outstanding. They've stopped reporting it explicitly. Mm-hmm. That, I, as far as I know, um, every now and then on the quarterly earnings calls, one of the analysts asks, and the last couple times they. I've heard that asked the companies have declined to answer, but wow, um, screw, screw the U.S. carriers. I want to know what Air Canada yeah. is. <laughs> well, did you see that a bunch of carriers, I believe Air Canada included, did actually finally get fined? Um, the Department of Transportation, so Frontier actually got hit the hardest, but like now that things are settling, well, and Air Canada's fine actually came out earlier because they had a more uh, direct we'll say, uh, complaint situation from a bunch of passengers that eventually the Department of Justice or Department of Transportation issued a fine against them. Not nearly as much as it was supposed to be, but whatever. Um, but a bunch of airlines all did eventually get forced to pay a trivial sums of money. I think Frontier was the worst at like $2 million. Wow. Slaps on the wrist. Yeah. Um, Flair, the Canadian airline, Low cost carrier uh, is had to cancel Lethbridge to Tucson. So, first because, question: Do either of you know where both of those are? I, I know where I know where Lethbridge is. Actually, it's in where Alberta. I know where, I know where yeah. Tucson is. Yeah, Leth, Lethbridge is southern Alberta. I had to look it up. I had never heard of it, but it, it's not a big town. <laughs> <laughs> um, Flair was going to fly from Lethbridge to Tucson. No birds. Now they can't. I think it's all snowbirds. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting that Tucson is where they end up, but sure. Um, well, it might be people going to Mexico. But oh, and it's an easier border crossing? Or yeah, because the border Tucson crossing. Much, yeah, Tucson's much closer than Phoenix or something. Yeah. Um, anyway, they're blaming it on supply chain issues. And no, what, what can they what can, They cannot get the ramps for boarding from the ramp from the apron delivered fast enough to be able to operate the flight. 
like the rollout ramps, the rollout ramps, the big metal things with like that you walk up because there's no jet bridges. The ones that they use at like Burbank and places like that, Long Beach and whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what they, they and I guess they don't want to use. They can't use stairs for ADA or it's not ADA in Canada, but whatever accessibility reasons. Yeah. So yeah, they they can't get the big rolling ramps to put on the apron to be able to help people board the planes, and the planes don't have built-in stairs. So wow. Yeah. When was this? When was it supposed to start? I have no idea. Oh. Uh, <laughs> But I thought it was pretty funny. Um, I can see if I can find it here while we're talking. Y-Q-L is G-U-S. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, much. Oh, this is interesting. WestJet flies it. They do? No. Why did this? Oh, I'm I'm stupid. Sorry, I had a knot in my query. I'm like, it was something else. Yeah, no one else. It's not published anymore. So I don't know when it was going to start. Wow. So they just said, well, I can't do that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> It was supposed to be December 1st. Well, yeah, the yeah. date. Oh, December 1st. Wow. That's amazing. Postponed until December 2023. There's only five flights in December. So anyway, each way. Yeah. It just was like, yeah, no, no boarding bridge, no jet bridge. But um, what's interesting is there are flights out of Lethbridge. So I don't know how uh, WestJet has flights to Calgary. I wonder mm-hmm. if it's on a prop yeah it's 34 seats it's on a prop so it come 30 30- 34 seats are they flying a q100 um i'm looking uh does this tell me okay there's a lot of clicking involved um sfb sobs and when well, they come in their own seats no, it's I, the didn't, I mean yeah i didn't know i didn't know westjet even had sobs well, one of their regional partners, I guess. But. Pacific Coastal Airlines. Yeah. What? So there you go. Wow. <laughs> they also fly to Medicine Hat. <laughs> or Lloydminster in northeastern Alberta. Oh, man. there's some. I'm not sure if you're making these up. No, no, they're real. <laughs> Medicine Hat's a real place. Uh, it's interesting, though. Like we could, we could really do a whole show on interesting lines in Canada that we need to fly. <laughs> if the price wasn't so restricted, I say, if you give me an all-you-can-fly pass in Canada and leave me, you know, stranded in Medicine Hat for a week while I'm waiting for the next sob to show up <laughs> with hopes of an empty seat on board, that I'm into. <laughs> oh man, I think that's a show, guys. We're going to talk about uh, Avello versus Breeze in the bonus show uh for our patreon subscribers to our regular wrestlers if you have any comments or questions or things you'd like us to talk about tweet us email us we like to hear from you uh but we appreciate you listening either way um and if you support us on patreon stay tuned for a little more so happy travels bye-bye take care catch you next time <laughs>